And we are back again, Senor Langeois in sunny Nottingham. How you doing, my friend? How you holding up? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How you doing? Yeah, living the dream as always, mate. Living the dream. I think that's what you say in these in the English way of, you know, it's a worldwide pandemic, you know, all the gyms are shut, but you know, we're all good. We're smiling. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Still got UFCs on to talk about. So on that note, before we get into the, the card for Teixeira Santos, who stood out to you prior to the card starting? Like anyone you looked out for excited, sort of anyone you expecting sort of fireworks from? Um, I mean, we, we, we said before this card that there wasn't anybody that really stood out. It was only sort of like the main event that was a, sort of like a big fight, obviously being a number one contender fight for the light heavyweight division. Um, but yeah, so nobody that really stood out. I was looking forward to see the, the Kalia Kadavia fight versus um, Jan. I have no idea how to even try and say her surname. Um, so Kadavia versus Jan. I was quite looking forward to that fight because I do like Kadavia's fights you know she's always in a in a good one so that was maybe the only one that I was kind of looking forward to sort of down the card um and then obviously the sheriff fight you know they were the two that I was kind of looking out for so with that in itself then what are you expecting from Claudia Cadea as well because again when it comes to that sort of proficient level of grappling it becomes a very much like a now what are you looking for someone to test her in that side of things someone to not even get let engage at that point test her on the feet what sort of thing were you kind of expecting from that what would you like to have seen from that like prior to watching it uh I, I just i just like she's got like a good all-round game and she's always she's always in a good scrap you know she's just one of them girls that just just likes to fight um she has got an amazing ground game obviously she was you know world champion at brown belt level you know i think two maybe three times um over the years um so she, she has got a great ground game but she doesn't really use the ground game as much as what you think from somebody of that sort of like grappling caliber um so you know she likes to get in there and scrap as well so she's, she's always in entertaining fights which is why i was you know looking forward to the fight more than anything now with that being said prelims but i want to go into who i was looking forward to i might as well just go straight to it darrow the damage elkins the man with the worst tattoos in mma oh, he yeah. fucking <laughs> impressed oh, me well. he is 90 percent yeah. scar tissue but he did well he did really well he fought smart he fought clinical and he looked if, I mean, anyone who wants to understand wall wrestling, general wrestling for MMA, he's fucking got his numbers sorted. He knows what he's doing. I mean, you think about Khabib as normally the first person you go to, but again, don't sleep on Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins, again, constant pressure. And again, it's that grind. It wasn't biting down your gum shield swinging, but this was good yeah. pressure, cage work. And again, the thing, the intricacies of it to really appreciate is when his opponent, Louise, um, Gagoria, I think his name is pronounced it. And he, when he's trying yep. to stand up against the fence, this is where you can see the sort of the caliber is where the intricacies of like the grips he's breaking first. So the hands, the posture, everything else. And he's not rushing. So that kind of composure, because again, being a veteran, it can go many different ways. It could be very much stuck in the ways of, you know, this is how it is. Don't break, <laughs> fix what isn't broken. Or it's a case of, okay, keep on adapting, keep on growing. And he's certainly going the right direction. On top of that, Alexander Romanov. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen Romanov fight before, he is the worst combination of anything. He's just an absolute unit of heavyweight. Good cardio, but the wrestling is just phenomenal. So efficient. You watch his last fight in Fight Island, you hear the suplex where it was from, <laughs> from like, you know, from Abu Dhabi. But even this, this was what's interesting, though. So against um, Marcos Rodrigo de Lima, boy, <laughs> you see... Um, uh, Romanov taking some striking on the feet. He's getting, he took um, 
Lima down, managed to get back up. So you think, okay, off the bat, this person is a prolific wrestler. What happens if someone stands back up and strikes with him? We found that out. He was composed, took some shots, but you know, didn't sort of flinch away from it and took him down again. But he managed to, um, I don't know what the, um, is it forearm choke? I think we all know it was a rape choke, don't we? He managed to get someone out with it because this is an interesting scenario yeah. the fact that like okay you think this is one of those submissions you think is a bit gritty teeth and crack on with it however <laughs> lima ended up going out from it so yeah yes that gets only that heavy and that strong and that good at the position in the wrestling and you put the pressure on and you're gonna go out whether it's you know you know normally a sort of you know grit your teeth and sort of bear it kind of choke or not if you get the right kind of pressure on in the right place you're gonna go out definitely as crude as it is you know gets the job done but yeah, really impressive yeah. from Roman. I've seen that sort of variety from him. Um, other than that, on the prelims, not a great deal to sort of report. Again, you get some nice sort of exchanges. And again, without going sort of fight by fight with it. Those were the real sort of standouts for me. What do you see from the main card you liked? Uh, so main card, I had a few good fights. Uh, the main one that, that shone to me the most was Rani uh, Bocellos. Uh, Brazilian guy versus Khalid Taha. Now, this was an absolute war at Bantamweight. There was absolutely everything. There was wrestling, you know, there was cage work and just absolute bombs swinging. Um, Taha has got an absolute iron chin because uh, Barcelos hit him with some great, great shots and, you know, rocked him one or two times, but he managed to come back and, you know, plant his feet and just swing back at him when he was rocked and all sorts. It was just an absolute great fight at Bannon Wake. Um, I think even after after the fight, um, uh, one of the commentators said, if he doesn't get a... Uh, if he doesn't get a fight the night bonus, he's going to come backstage and give him a bonus himself because it was that. That's some, such, a, such a good fight. And uh, Barcelos, you know, he moved up to... I think he's 16 and one now. Um, he's 33 years old, so a little bit older than, you know, some of the division. Um, but 16 and one, um, former champion um, in Brazil of, of, I think, two different federations, former bantamweight champion. And he, he looked like an absolute savage. Had great, great um, striking. Really, really good striking. Nice Muay Thai. Um, but he's also, he's a coral belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Really? So he's, yeah, yeah, he's 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 that. I, I'm 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 pretty much sure that's what the commentator said. He's a coral belt, which pretty much makes him the highest ranking Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy in the UFC ever. I think. Um, so yeah, he's he's ridiculous. If you if you want to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure the commentator said that. A so this guy's go for it. It's a bit of context for people who aren't aware what a coral belt really means with this. So when it comes to getting your black belt, that's fairly down to your instructor's sort of guidance over X amount of years, around about two years of belt. Then from there onwards, you have to have length of service in the mat. I think it's three years for the first couple of degrees, three years per degree, then five years and seven years and so on and so forth. And this is like eighth degree or something, seventh, eighth degree. So that service alone, let alone what's gone into that service, I mean, it's crazy. Sorry, Carson. Crack on. Mate. Yeah, so, you know, having having thinking about that and, and where he's at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu-wise, you can see why everybody's kind of wanting to stand with him. But his striking was on point as well. And he's got heavy hands, like I say, rocks Taha a couple of times and, you know, ended up getting the decision win. And the only reason he got the decision win is because Taha had such a, such a granite chin. You know, most bantamweights probably would have been out of there um, earlier in the fight. He, he was absolutely brilliant. And Taha did great when he actually hit the floor. Taha did really good at defending the positions 
because um, you could see Barcelos was kind of all over him on the floor as well. So he's definitely one to watch out for in the Bantamweight division right now. Um, okay, looking a little bit more on the card, popping down to the fight we've just been talking about, the Cardia Cadavia fight. And Jan, I'm not even going to try. Oh, no, let's hear it. Where is it? Right, let's have a look. So I have no idea. Ex non Shan, sorry, I'm Go on. Yeah, probably something like that. But anyway, going back to the fight, it was a great fight. <laughs> not getting cancelled. Uh, yep, yeah, let's move on quickly. Um, great fight, back and forth. Um, Jan definitely had the better um, of the standards. She was a little bit more aggressive and just landing more combinations more than anything. Um, Claudia Davis, she looks a little bit sort of out of sorts in this fight, to be honest. Not what I expected from her. Um, she was kind of a little bit reserved standing. She tried to get the takedown a few times. Um, a little bit of clinch work and stuff like that, but never really sort of managed to get the takedown. So she was always on the back foot when it came to the striking. And uh, Yang got a decision. Um, good three rounds. I had, it, I, I had it personally, I think probably 29, 28. Um, Claudia Cadavia did get a good takedown and have some good top pressure um, in the second round I think it was which I kind of gave her the round even though it was quite even going into that sort of it was a, it was a close round but I reckon she, she edged it with the takedown and the, the top pressure um, but yeah Yang got the got the decision um, so again after beating Claudia Cadavia she's now one to look for in the um, in the strawweight women's division as well herself um, and she's 13-1, and one. so, you know, she's up there, she only had one loss, and she, she, she looks strong as well, she looks big and she looks strong for that weight, so it's a, another one, and, you know, maybe, depending on how Rose goes against the champ, it could be an all-Chinese straw weight um, championship at one point, which would be pretty epic for the, for the, uh, for the market over there, so that would be pretty cool. A uh, couple more fights, obviously, we've got to mention Andrea Lossky, the absolute legend. He's in his 20th year of, of professional MMA. Uh, that's just unbelievable how long this guy's been going for. And, and he looked good. You know, he fought Tanner Boza. Um, he was the betting favourite. You know, younger, more agile. But, um, you know, Andre Lossi showed he's still got a bit of a chin. He can still put the work in. And, you know, he just edged it. It wasn't the most entertaining fight. It wasn't one that I would tell people to watch. But, um, you know, he did what he needed to do and he got the decision. And he even said in the, in the after-fight interviews that um, this is more his maturity now, sticking to a game plan rather than sort of going in there and just, you know, letting it go and, you know, getting clips or, or, or winning by knockout and stuff. He's, he's going to start sticking to the game plan a bit more and try and stay within his, uh, his, his coach's game plan and stuff. So, yeah, it was a good win for Andre Olosky. And then we had, I'm kind of dotting about a little bit yeah, here. Yeah. And Giga Chikatsu. Chikatsu, there we go. I called him Chikatsu Curry by accident, but yeah, crack on. <laughs> Giga Chikatsu uh, versus Jeremy Simmons. I think Simmons was a, was a last minute replacement. Um, he, I think he normally fights at bantamweight, um, but he fought at featherweight. Um, and he did well for the time he was in there. But, you know, you could kind of see Giga Chikatsu was just, uh, just I know, it's massive. Yeah, I know. Um, Giga, there you go. That's, that's, that's got to be more offensive, I think, calling him Katsukari. We'll crack on. <laughs> it's a Georgian revolution. You've got to respect him. That's it. Um, no, he, he looked great. He's striking. He's absolutely world-class. Um, and when he got the distance, you know, obviously, 
uh, Jeremy Simmons was trying to close the distance, make it a bit more of a dogfight. And you can't see when, when, the, when he got the distance and you could see how crisp and how sharp his striking was. Um, and he actually got the TKO first round. Uh, three minutes, 51. Um, really good fight, though, to watch for the first sort of four minutes of that fight. Great fight. And then finally, on to our main event. So I was really looking forward to this just because the light heavyweight division is so open right now. Um, and obviously this being a number one contender fight uh, with Thiago Santos having a, you know, a very, very close fight with uh, John Jones in his last fight, even with the damaged knee that he took, you know, that damaged the ligaments in that knee. And Glover Teixeira just on an absolute tear at the minute. I think he was four-fight four win streak or maybe five-fight win streak going into this fight. Um, he's just looked so good. And actually finishing, you know, I think if, if it was a five-fight win streak, he finished four out of his last five. So, you know, the guy was on an absolute cheer. And especially at his age as well, you know, he is one of the older guys in, in the whole of the UFC. And for him to be going on a tear like he is and, and looking better than he ever has done before, and, you know, he, he was amazing when he came into the UFC, let alone now he's looking even better and actually getting finishers um, really regular as well. It was I was really looking forward to the fight. And it, it didn't, you know... it. it it didn't, I can't even think of the word now. Um, it, 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 it didn't disappoint. There you go. It, yeah, it lived up to what I thought it was going to be. You know, Chogo Santos, his, his nickname is the Sledgehammer. And you can see why he's known the Sledgehammer. Because, you know, he, he clipped um, Glover to share a few times, dropped him. I think he dropped him in the first round. And again in the third round, Glover to share, you know, being the man he is, being the veteran he is, you know, took the, took the shots, got wobbled, got back to his feet and then, you know, did what, what he does best, which is that kind of grind it out a little bit, you know, use his, you know, use the, the, the experience he's got to, you know, clinch up, take it down to the floor and, and land some absolute beautiful ground and pound. Um, and, you know, the first round, very close, got dropped and then came back a little bit towards the end. Second round was pretty much all Glover Teixeira. And it was literally, if he had five seconds more in a round, I think he would have finished it in that round. And then, yeah, third round came out. Santos dropped him again, hurt him again. Um, and Glover Teixeira managed to, you know, rally back after taking some big, big shots on the floor. And actually, at one point, I thought he was going to get finished. Um, Glover rallied back, um, reverse position, some absolutely beautiful ground and pound. And then, yeah, got the submission um, and got the win. And, you know, I think as much as I would like to see, um, oh, fuck it. Ah, I don't know what's wrong with me today with names. Uh, Addison, uh, yeah. As much as I'd love to see him fight Jan and maybe get two belts, um, I think Glover Teixeira deserves he deserves his shot at the title again. And I think you know Jan Bukovic versus Glover Teixeira is the the fight to make at that heavyweight right now. I mean, I certainly um. A very valid point in itself because again as much as you want the hype train of a sort of champ champ sort of conversation this is you got to respect the, the rest of the division in itself because again as much as we want to be like wwe at this point <laughs> we need to have that bit of integrity we need to make sure we're getting the respect to the fighters who deserve it not to say that it doesn't deserve the respect but it's more the sort of scale of opportunity there and again it's interesting to see how these things will go out because with mma math in the in its beauty and all its wonder like you take into account Okay, Santos had a pretty much a, the best challenge Jones has had pretty much. And then yep. on paper, you'd think, okay, therefore he should run through Teixeira. However, <laughs> here we mm -hmm. are. 
Now, looking forward, exciting times ahead. Paul Felder, the biggest balls in the UFC roster. Mate, love this guy. The battle Absolute of moustaches. Love, love him. I mean, regardless of like the, um, the notice, the time, everything else, it's a very exciting matchup, just outright. I mean, yeah. Felder and Sanyos, chaos was written all over it. And to step in last minute for five rounds, not just a three-round three fight, which in itself is, you know, is a challenge, but it's more so you know, yeah. the extra fucking 10 minutes of it. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, you know how Felder stepped in last minute against Jared Cannon, stepped in last minute to corner Jared Flash Gordon? Yep. Jared was going to return the favor and corner him, except he tested positive for um, COVID. Ugh. And he sent a message to um, uh, Rafi, oh, just not, <laughs> keep calling Rafi Dos Nachos because of Colby Covington. Oh, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> saying, oh, please don't try and take him down so he can have a five round kickboxing fight, which would be so exciting to watch. It would Who's be a good fight. On, the, on that card, Feld at the Sanios, who stands out to you? I mean, there's a lot of names on here, but I'll let you have first pick of who's exciting, who you want uh, to pick for. Let me just grab the card up. So you go for it first. So there's a lot of standouts. They're home bias. We've got good old Corey McKenna making a UFC debut on a main card as well. So she originally is from Wales. She fought, she used to fight from BKK fighters, Jack Mason's group. But now she's training out of Team Alpha Male with Uri Faber. And after oh, okay. winning from the Contender Series, she's now got a debut against Kay Hansen. Again, I'm not too sure about Kay Hansen's sort of background. However, it's an exciting matchup for um, Corey. And also a main, a main card for the debut. Love to see it. Um, yeah. on the prelims Sean Strickland with a fast turnover so he fought Jack Marshman not the last card on before this is the conversation we had about yeah. ring rust and yeah, Sean really. can absolutely shit the whole time he was so funny he was very charismatic and to come back already he's fighting Brendan Allen so that kind of turnover yeah. makes you wonder how much damage he took and how he's feeling now because again making up for lost time we've got good old Bama Bias we've got Reese McKee he's back in action yeah. against Alex Morano I've butchered that and, you know, insulted him, but here we go. Reese McKee, hopefully now he get a chance to at least get that more ring time to really appreciate what he's capable of. Yeah, yeah, that I'm hoping as well. I'm hoping he gets to actually show, showcase what we all know in the UK, um, how much of a good fighter he is. I hope he gets to showcase it and, you know, and gets, gets, the, gets the actual fight he wants for a UFC fight. We've also got um, Ashley Yoda. She had a really interesting performance. I think it was either the first... Um, Fight Island card or the second. But a very well-rounded style. It's really interesting. Along with that, we've got Randa Marcos. So she fought Mackenzie Dern fairly recently. And again, yes. didn't look out of place. Didn't look out of place. So no. it would be interesting to see um, how she comes back. Being 10 and 10 is a bit of a Artemesque um, record. But, you know, records for DJs. Yeah. Fight. What are your thoughts? That's it. No, yeah, all of those spot on. Every, everybody uh, on that, the premium card. Um, and you know Eric Anders that's going to be a good fight as well Antonio Ayoya yeah Ayoya uh, that'll do uh, I'm terrible with names today there's something wrong with me um, <laughs> he's having these early mornings getting up I don't, I don't agree with me at it's all. half 12 <laughs> yes yeah, it's, well, it's morning for me not now but I've been up early it's the lack of sunshine as well mate I tell you it's affecting me already don't we get used to it it's fine yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, so Eric Anders, that, you know, he's always in a good scrap from the main card. And then, like we've just mentioned, you know, the main event. I, I, I actually love Paul Favre anyway. 
And the fact that, you know, he stepped up on, you know, a few days' notice. It's not even a full week, I don't think it is. Um, he stepped up on a few days' notice. And, and it's interesting that he's actually... He, he's taking it at lightweight as well. So, five-round fight, and it's still at lightweight. Now, he is normally a lightweight, but that's when he has a, you know, eight to ten-week training camp to, to get the weight down and, you know, get, get in right condition and stuff like that, you know. Um, so, the fact that he's still fighting at lightweight... Um, and it's a five-round fight, and he stepped in against, you know, Rafael Tosanios, who is, you know, he, he, he's, he's a great lightweight, and he was a great welterweight as well. Um, I think this is going to be a great fight, because it kind of says to me that Paul was maybe training quite well for a fight. The fact that he, he thinks he can make the lightweight and still be able to perform. Because, you know, if, if he maybe was taking it a, a last minute and, maybe thinking that he, he, he couldn't quite perform or, he, or the weight cut might be too much of a cut for him, he might have asked for it to be at welterweight because both of them guys have both fought welterweight. They both are, I'd say, naturally lightweights, but they could fight at welterweight. would, would help him with his gas tank and obviously with the cut. Um, so the fact that he's taking it lightweight, I, I, I find that I, I think that's a bit of a positive for the, for the mental state of him and, and hopefully for his performance as well. So we can see it. We can get the war that we're all looking for. So a very interesting point with this is about staying ready and how ready do you have to be? Because the whole argument is if you stay ready, I haven't got to get ready. But if yep. you're out of camp, out of season, whatever you want to call it, how yep. ready should you be? So I had this conversation with um, Chelsea Lee about her, that shouldn't she coach from a jiu-jitsu point of view, that they should be ready to take a domestic competition on like a, a week's notice if I say I want pops up I'll do you want to do that one sure they're in shape they can crack on with that if it's a more prestigious event like an IBGF or like a sizable event then it's more yep. of a camp sort of build up like how ready do you think you have to be without burning out for these kind of events do you reckon, always on standby do you reckon ticking over what do you reckon see that's a tough one um, yeah it's I think BGA obviously is a lot easier to be ready for a last minute call up or, you know, jumping on a super fight or and stuff like that. Because, you know, jiu-jitsu, you can roll 10, you know, five, 10 times, you know, pretty much every time you, you go to train and you're not really going to burn yourself out. Um, you know, the extra strength and conditioning stuff that you would do for a massive tournament, uh, for a big competition and stuff like that, then obviously that's going to help with your cardio and stuff like that. But for a super fight, you know, you, you, you should be ready to go pretty much 100% for a five-minute or a 10-minute fight, um, you know, as and when you needed to in, in jiu-jitsu. MMA is a little bit different because obviously you've got the three five-minute rounds um, and, you know, with the striking, with the grappling, with the fence work, with the clinch work, it, it does take it out of you a little bit more than jiu-jitsu does. Um, so it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to gauge different people like to train different ways you know i know fighters that you know have a fight and you won't see them in the gym for a month afterwards so they're never going to be sort of like ready to take last minute fights but then i also know fighters that you know jump straight in two or three days afterwards you know albeit depending on how the fight went and <clears throat> how injured or, or or beat up they are after the fight um i i was always one of them guys i, I never really took a last minute fight um except for maybe once at boxing, I think it was. I took it on a few weeks' notice and it was straight after Christmas and I'd not been training the whole of Christmas and eating way too much and that was pretty rough. Um, and I, I don't think I'd ever take it 
in that sort of situation again if I was ever going to uh, fight again I don't think I'd take a last minute fight like that but if I was you know normally in the gym you know training sparring once or twice a week um, doing my jiu-jitsu roles and you know doing my wrestling drills and stuff like that then yeah I think I'd be I think I'd be confident that I could at least go you know 80% for, for three rounds you know maybe reserve just a little bit just to get me through the fight um but yeah, I reckon I, I could normally do that. So as long as you're training and you're in the gym and you, you know, you're fit and healthy and you're not really, it's more the diet that, that sort of used to kill me uh, when it came to the burning me out. You know, if I'm eating whatever I want, but I'm still training really well, then I've got plenty of energy and, and I'm good and I'm not burning myself out. But it's as soon as you start the diet to get the weight down, that's when it starts to kind of burn you out a little bit. So that's why I'm, that's why it's, it's good to see that Paul Felder is actually taking it at lightweight because he obviously thinks he can make the lightweight and still have the gas to be able to fight. You know, if that was me, then maybe on a last minute fight, I might have said, you know, let's do it at welterweight. That way I haven't got to cut as much. Then I've still got a bit more energy and a bit more gas in the tank. So what do you think to that? So depends on the person. Very good point there. Because some people, you know, they're sort of, they train to fight and that's all they train for. They don't train to get better and improve. And again, horses, of course, some people really thrive from that. They don't tend to burn out from overtraining as a whole. They get the right intensity. Again, it's a case-by-case thing. But from a personal point of view, like I enjoy the training process. I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy the grind, so to speak. I don't like using the word grind because it implies it's not nice. I, I love it. I love a challenge and everything else. So regards of frequency of development, that should always be, be there anyway. But again, it's the... Yep. It's the Kind of, how do I explain it? So you try and peak for a fight. So including the sprints, including the extra sort of stage to get you that bit further so you peak at a certain point. And the wording there is very specific. It's peaking. You don't stay at that. That's not your base. And if you try no. and peak all the time, you'll burn out and then you'll crash and you'll have to try and rebuild up anyway. So regards yeah. to programming that kind of way, it makes sense to do it. Depends what short notice is. Or what, how short notice? I mean, this is a week notice. This is just staying crazy ready like yeah like my coach Danny Burton he says six weeks is all you need for a camp because any more than that is just just excess because other than that you should be ready anyway just yeah yeah if you're, if you're constant and you're in the gym and you're learning and you're doing the roles and you're doing some sparring you know just regular stuff and you know you're doing the odd bit of circuit training and strength and conditioning and stuff to, to keep you generally fit then six weeks is perfect to peak but um, it's, the, it's the guys that need this sort of 10 to 12-week training camp that don't do that. They're the guys that, you know, literally it's fight to fight for them. You know, they only train to fight. Um, so then that's when, you know, taking a last-minute fight like that isn't the best idea. But if you're in the gym and you're already sort of like at that point where, you, you know, you, you know you can go three rounds, you might be knackered by the end of it. And, you know, if you had that six weeks to, to, to train and peak like you're saying you know you would have that little bit more gas but you know as long as you know you can go three rounds yeah you're generally all right to take a last minute fight and again like you said it depends how last minute you know I think he's took this on less than a week's notice so you know it, that's pretty pretty last minute you know if you're taking it two weeks you know a couple of weeks gives you that a little bit of an extra edge so yeah it just depends so I might take us out from behind the curtain a little bit I feel this might be one of those Paul, you stay ready. You might need to step in as a replacement. And then if you do mm. need to, we'll do the whole sort of, oh, he stepped in like five weeks, five days notice. He's a fucking savage. 
we might have had like a 12 week camp we didn't know about like a sort of Mike Chandler kind of standing but I'd sorry, I, don't, I don't want to spoil the party but that might be the case a little bit but, well that's where I'm thinking with the going to lightweight rather than asking for it at welterweight because they've both fought at welterweight so mm. it wouldn't be a problem for them to then fight at welterweight again welterweight again wait, 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 wait. Um, so we're we're well away. Um, so with him saying, yes, I'll do a five-round fight and I'll do it in a lightweight, that's, that's getting me thinking that he was already maybe training for a fight or maybe, like you said, training for that last-minute maybe replacement. <clears throat> I mean, this is... I mean, not to spoil the fun a bit, but yeah, it sounds about right. Because again, if he's going to be commentating, he's the poster. He's not post boy such, but again, he's very highly sort of shone yes, sort definitely. of like, like stepping in last minute to corner. Jared, he's just, you know, does this sort of, you know, counts the um, green shots, takes the piss a little bit. He's, you know, he's a personality, he's a character and they want to try and build him up. They wouldn't give him, I don't know. I think they'd give him a good chance to sort of give him a, to represent himself. Yeah, now, definitely. Outside of the UFC, we'll take a step more local to um, Cage Warriors. So some yes. very, very, very exciting matchups. Some we can't very announce easy. yet, which we are, we do know about, but you know, we've got to, got to keep it fair with everyone else. But we'll go with okay. what's been published on the World Wide Web of Instagram. So I'm going to go on yep. the Cage Warriors thing to see what we're allowed to talk about. But again, just a bit of a brief. So trilogy, <laughs> some very exciting fights announced so far. Obviously, we've had um, Luke Shanks, Jake Hadley, Sam Creasy, Adam Abazinga, Shoot. Nicholas LeBlanc, yep. and um, Darren O'Gorman. Sorry, is it Dara? I think it's Dara. Darren O'Gorman had it right the first time. That's fine. That's the first sort of lot of fights I've spoken about. Um, so Creasy and Adam Amasinga. I recommend watching yes. a fight on quarter speed, if not half speed, just so you can actually see what's happening. Because yeah, both these guys, gas tank, crazy pace, chaos. Mm-hmm. What's your initial thoughts on that one? Uh, I love it. Absolutely love that. I think actually that we mentioned this uh, when we did the breakdown after the trilogy on the last one. And we were looking at the people that won their fights and same weight division over the three sort of days. Um, I think this is one that we actually said, you know, this would be a good fight to, to match up. So I think somebody was listening to our podcast, maybe. Um, Indeed, so we're, we're, we're taking credit for this one. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think this is an absolute great fight. Like I say, I think this is definitely one that either me or you said should happen, if not both of us said it. But um, yeah, I think it's a great fight. Um, I, you know, I know Sam Creasy, um, I've met Adam and Adam Singer. Um, obviously, I've trained with his brother. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting fight. And like you say, it's going to be absolutely electric. You know, they're going to be, you know, dotting around the cage like crazy men. So, it's going to be awesome. And the funny thing is, like, how would you, like, game plan for either of these guys? Because, again, if you think, okay, if you're going to try and clinch up with Sam Creese to slow him down, you watch his fight against Nathan Grayson before getting stopped. It was just three yeah. rounds of just domination, of just absolute pressure, cage works. There was no slouch on that side of things. And no, not at all. Interesting to see that. So we also got um, Luke Shanks and Jake Hadley. Now, a bit of background on this. Jake Hadley was calling out um, Shanks before, I think Luke, before he fought on Cage Warriors. I think this was like, because Hadley fought on, did he fight on Bellator? Because they were calling out, look each other out for a while. They were going all sorts yeah. of like, so Luke Shanks, he, as much as he's very professional, he's wind up. He loves it. He loves it like <laughs> the piss out of each other. He's got no sort of qualms about like making memes about you all sorts. So it's so much fun to watch that. And I've got a lot of. We'll talk about things off camera, but yeah, there's an interesting little stories about that matchup. It'll be a fun <laughs> one. Um, Darren O'Gorman and Nicholas LeBron. So Nicholas, he think he came off a loss to Sam of the last trilogy card. Yep. Again, 
didn't look awful. But had Sam in trouble every now and then. And yep. Darren O'Gorman. So the last card before um, lockdown, he had Connor Hignett in a blind triangle for the second round for like most of the round. And it was one of those where it's like, you must have had it. You have a triangle locked up, dead to right. Saying, I've got you. I've got your number. And he just couldn't finish it. And it's just one of those. You must have lost so much sleep over it. So, again, interesting matchup. Absolute chaos. Yeah, really now, good. The next, next batch of fighters announced. We have Kieran Lister and Joe McColgan. I um, that's probably one of the fights I'm most excited about. Are you familiar with those guys? Uh, not not too familiar. I've seen them bits on on Cage Warriors, but yeah, you're you're the Cage Warriors fanboy, so you definitely know more than I do about this. So Kieran Lister, he's a black belt. He's trains up north, I think Sunderland. It might be New what, what, Sunderland or Newcastle. They get whichever one is. Which you'd be pissed off if I get it wrong, regardless. It's it's all, <laughs> it's all north, isn't it? But yeah, just north. He's one of those guys who's like just been on the scene, absolute monster, but doesn't really make all the noise. So people don't really like you know give himself to himself but gets a job done yeah. one of those sort of people and seeing his fight against Tom Mearns really a nice striking exchange from both of them and with the capability of the ground it'd be interesting to see how this pans out now Joe McColgan he was part of the um, getting this in a minute part of the, the fight of the year last year with um, Mehdi Ben Lakdar and he came off a loss to um, Mason Jones for the title for not champ champ but the lightweight champ on um, the lockdown card but Joe's had mm-hmm. a, a lot of fights. He is a fucking really interesting striker. Very long and rangy, but again, very clinical. And trains at Tim KF with um, Ian Gary, um, Paul Hughes, um, James Webb, and I think Reese McKee. I think Reese McKee is Tim KF. I'm not too sure. But again, they're all the sort of same sort of circles. So those two, it's a very interesting matchup. Same sort of long frames, decent sized lightweights. Now, also, the other half of the. Um, what do you call it, of the fight of the year, is um, Midiban Lakdar against Steve McIntosh. Now, I'm not too familiar with Steve McIntosh, but Midiban Lakdar, again, absolutely chaotic style as well. Be absolute fireworks. So, trilogy fight from the last card to this one. Who else would you like to see on this card? Um, <clears throat> from the last fight to this one. Um, I'd like to see Aaron Cleed. Um, I'd like to see him maybe... Um, against the Love Doctor Proctor. They're both... No, no, Khalid's lightweight or Proctor's... Are they the same weight? They're both weight. Fun fact, they fought before. Yeah. They fought before, yeah. But, um, you know, the welterweight belt is available and both of them are definitely up there with a, with a chance. So that would be an interesting matchup to see. Um, and then who else? Jesus, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. But um, I do. Uh, did you mention Josh Plant is now fighting as well on? Oh, Cage very Road? good point. Very good point. I, I said what was on the Cage Wars Instagram. I was on, but I forgot completely about that. Yeah, no, the Josh Plant fight. So that that's going to be one I'm interested in, uh, to see. Um, I know Josh. I've, I've trained with Josh myself. I've actually cornered him as well on Bama um, a few years ago and stuff like that. So yeah, and Josh pretty well. So that's a that's a really good fight, and I'm really happy to see that he's back in there fighting as well because he had a bit of a layoff. Um, so it's good to see him back and I know he's putting that work in so yeah it's going to be a good one I remember rolling with Josh and he fucking mangled me oh yeah Hank <laughs> is a little savage well a big he, savage to be fair a little savage but again he's one of those guys who doesn't make a lot of noise doesn't cause a lot of like you know he said she said kind of stuff he sort of just cracks on with it 
And those are the yeah. scary guys. Those are the ones that are like high risk, low reward, yeah. sort of, you know, you're not going to get the hype train sort of backlash of it, but you're just going to get the fucking <laughs> the worst of both worlds, really. But yeah, really yeah, interested in matchup. Now, Jack Grant's another one. So, yeah, you got um, I think first round guillotine finish of his last fight. It'd be interesting to see because mm-hmm. the title game because again, lightweight's open. And yeah. other lightweights, again, I think Joe McColgan, uh, Kieran Lister fight might be a title eliminator, but who knows? That mm. might be a bit of a confidential thing I might have just leaked. Who knows? We'll see what we see. <laughs> well, uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see what actually do put for the lightweight and welterweight title. Now with <clears throat> Mason going to the UFC, obviously both of them are, both of them are free. Um, and with the trilogy, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they will be two of the sort of like main event fights um, up there. So it's going to be interesting to to actually see who fills them spots. Oh, 100%. Now, before we let the people go, Carson, let's tell us all about the sponsors. So we've got the English Hypnotist. So anyone who wants to get extra step in your mental game, whether it's in the office, in the business, in the fighting world, whatever it is, really good person to speak to about that. Really take you to the next stage with that. Rico clothing, really high quality clothes, quite a variety they've got and always expanding. And we've also got our man Chow, People's IT, and by extension, the Vegan Pizza, Vegan Pizza Company. Have I got it right this time? That's Vegan hey. Pizza. And I actually had my first Vegan Pizza Company. Obviously, you know, I've been bang- banging on about this for a while now. Um, and obviously living over in Thailand when he set the company up and started doing the pizzas and all my friends were telling me how good they were. So, you know, I've been back for a few weeks now and I actually managed to, uh, to have a night in and, and we already ordered some vegan pizza uh, from the vegan pizza company and it was absolutely banging. You know, I am, I'm a meat eater. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm a meat eater. Um, and, and it was absolutely amazing. And his side dishes were just incredible. He does some really nice potatoes. Yeah, honestly. Um, and the mac and cheese was probably one of the best mac and cheese I've ever tasted. And like I say, it was all done with, with vegan, uh, vegan cheese, which normally I don't, don't really like on its own, but the mac and cheese was, was amazing. So, yeah, if you're in and around the Nottingham area, definitely hit him up, um, pop over to his website or on his Instagram and, and uh, get yourself a, a really tasty vegan pizza. This is it. And again, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast, whether it's liking the pages, the follows, any engagement makes us look good and helps us build the podcast. Yep. Carsten, where can people find you on the other socials? Oh, socials, Instagram, Carson Langeois and Carson M. Langeois on Facebook. And remember, guys, anything you want to get involved with, any questions, any polls, any topics, fire over to fisticuffs underscore podcast on Instagram and take care and stay safe.